Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We are back. One hour down, two to go. We are flying through this Friday, getting you ready for the weekend. What am I saying? It is the weekend. It started on Thursday. We're two days into the weekend right now. Americans playing in the Ryder Cup wish the weekend was over already, or do they? We'll get to that momentarily. A lot of great things coming up this hour. Also, the great, the one, the only John McClain will join us in about 20 minutes. We got Kelly in Vegas coming up to give us our weekend bets. A lot of fun to be had on this Friday as we go steamrolling into the weekend. I'm trying to think of the right word to describe how quick we're going to get in the weekend. I'll come up with it before the end of the show. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us next week. Well-deserved. A couple days off for Jonathan. He'll be back uh, middle of next week with us. Friday. Fall. Leaves falling. Fires outside. Maybe some beverages for some of you. All the different things you think about this time of year. If you're like me, on Friday nights in the fall, you're thinking about Friday Night Lights. No, not the movie with Billy Bob Thornton. Not the book from Bissinger, not the TV series, none of that. You're thinking about actual Friday Night Lights. You're thinking about high school football in the fall. But that's not as much the case anymore. Why? College football is starting to take over. I've discussed this before, but Thursday nights for college football used to be a pretty big deal. When ESPN started that Thursday night package, they would get good football games on Thursday night. That's really no longer the case. The best game last night was Western Kentucky MTSU. Not exactly a premier college football game on a Thursday night. But tonight's schedule, get ready for this. Louisville, NC State. 10th ranked Utah at 19th ranked Oregon State. La Tech at UTEP, whatever. Cincinnati, BYU. Hey, that's a Big 12 matchup now. And the first ever for those two teams against each other in Provo. That is a late night game. The NCAA and college football, they see an opportunity here. They look at Friday nights and they see this as a frontier that is not being explored on television for live sports. Friday nights in the fall have long been reserved for people going to cheer on their local high school, whether they have kids in the school or not. For years and years, towns would unite around a high school football game on Friday nights, whether or not they had family playing. Didn't matter. People went to the high school football game. It mattered. It still matters in a lot of communities around America. Doesn't matter everywhere, but it still matters in a lot of places. But college football is afraid of the big bad NFL. Thursday nights, well, that's reserved for Lions over the Packers last night. That's reserved for prime video and streaming because the NFL is king and more people are going to watch the NFL. So college football decided to run away from Thursday night and encroach on what was a football night for high schools. That was the weekend for years and years. Friday high school, Saturday's college, Sunday NFL, Monday again NFL. Now it is Thursday night NFL, Friday night 
some college, some high school, Saturday's college, Sunday NFL, Monday NFL, start the cycle over week after week. This breaks my damn heart for a number of reasons. One is because Friday nights aren't really high school football night anymore either. Why? We don't have enough officials in America to make that reality. Games are split across the country between Thursday night and Friday night. Some states, you're playing high school football games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Why? Not enough officials to officiate every high school game on a Friday night. So teams have to play on different nights to make sure they have officials for the game. It breaks my heart that we're at that spot in America. But there's a lot of reasons contributing to that. Some is people not wanting to officiate because they don't like getting yelled at, getting threatened, and some bad behavior from parents or players or coaches or whatever it may be. The pay is not good. There's a lot of reasons contributing to this. But when I look at that college football slate on a Friday night, sure, I'll I'll be home tonight. I'll, I'll tune in for some of those games. That part of it I'm fine with. But when I think about what it really signifies, which is the loss of high school football in a lot of places in America, and not just that, but the loss of Friday night being an institution of high school football across this country, it makes me a little bit sad. And it does when I see that also. Something else that makes me sad is a dumpster fire. I don't like to revel in someone else's misery, but it's time to get to our dumpster fires of this week. I'm going to Europe for mine to start. The Ryder Cup. High hopes for the Americans in the Ryder Cup this year. They were the betting favorite for a good portion of the week. By the time the tournament came around, they were no longer. Tournament, contest, whatever you want to call it. They were no longer the favorites. I bet on the Europeans to win this tournament. I did that because of history. Not having won on European soil since 1993 is a factor in this. Playing in Rome, I wake up like a lot of people this morning and I turn over to USA because I want to see what's going on in the Ryder Cup. And when I turn that TV on, I see four to nothing Europe in the lead. Not good. So I watch a little bit and I'm thinking, okay, hey, there's some good things happening here in what is the late afternoon session, but early morning here in the States, watching the four ball competition. Americans are leading a number of them, tied in some, losing a couple, but it looks like they're going to balance it out a little bit. They're still going to be behind after that historic start for the Europeans starting 4-0, but they fall apart late. And not as much fall apart as Europe really took over. Score right now is 6.5 to 1.5 going into day number two. And I thought I was upset about that because, look, I'm pro-America in all ways. And if America is involved in an international competition, I want them to win. I don't care uh, if I disagree with the politics of someone not playing in the match. I'm not rooting for the U.S. women's soccer team to lose to uh, Iraq in a match. I still want them to win. I know crazy for some people to understand, but that's the way I am. I want America to do well. I'm not reveling in American failure in the Ryder Cup right now. But I thought I was hurt by America's performance and what was happening. I'm here in studio getting ready for the show. And Colin Warner, our audio tech, is livid at what happened at the end of this, uh, this round today with the Europeans taking charge. So much so, I thought he was almost emotional about it. But Colin, who's with us right now because i got to get his reaction. Colin, you calmed down. You went away. You got some lunch. You were upset when it happened. But you came back a different man. What happened? Did you gain some perspective? 
That was the seven Miller Lights, probably. Oh, that too. Yeah, that also <laughs> helps. Yes. I did gain some perspective. You know, you have to go back to history. It's the first time Europe started 4-0 in the morning sessions. History of Ryder Cup. First time in history. U.S. didn't win one point. History of the Ryder Cup. But I'm thinking I'm a true American, so I believe that the Americans will come back. That's what we do. We're resilient. Yeah. We will come back. I think Brooks kept kind of calling out John Rahm for being a – a board, you know, that might fire him up. I think the big thing is maybe get away from the whole bro squad. Just put out your best players together. That's what, you know, Zach Johnson, his whole thing was just let them do what they do. You know, we don't need no rah, rah, rah. We don't need no, any inspirational videos. Well, maybe that didn't work so well. But then again, they ran into an absolute buzzsaw. The Europeans putting out of their mind. And then you had John Rahm, eagle on 16, John Rahm, birdie on 18. It, I mean, the way it came down on those, the 18th hole on the last three matches of the day was just absolutely unbelievable, but it is absolutely what the Europeans do on European soil. Colin, this is the perspective we needed. I needed to pick me up because I was sure that it was already over, but maybe there is still a chance for the Americans in this competition. And Colin had mentioned... Uh, Brooks Kepka. So the quote about John Rahm was, and I quote this after they tied their match day, their four ball match. Kepka says, I mean, I want to hit a board and pout just like John Rahm did, but you know, it is what it is. Act like a child, but we're adults. We move on. Well, the Americans better move on and move on to better play and win a lot starting tomorrow to have a chance to take home this Ryder Cup championship. It's an event I love watching every year. It's a good opportunity to watch before football with such an early morning. It's overnight, really, middle-of-the-night type competition. But I'm up early, and I'm watching. I got to see a lot of it this morning, which was really cool. Colin, thank you so much for the uh, – really inspirational, I thought. Yeah. Considering your state of mind when I saw the Europeans knocking down those putts, you're in a much better place now, so we appreciate you for that. Thank you, Miller Lights. That's all we need. Thank, thank you, alcohol. Oh, speaking of alcohol, Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. That's where we are every day here in Nashville. Uh, so we are sponsored by alcohol. Collins, good feelings, good tidings about the Americans, sponsored by alcohol. There was another alcohol moment over the weekend that involved shots between Brittany Mahomes and one Taylor Swift. And this has set the world ablaze. And this is the Dumpster Fire segment. Davey Hudson with us now in a little bit of a magic act. That, that was like a SNL quick change right there with these guys swipping, swapping seats, getting the headset on, getting ready to go. Davey, well done. You've got a Taylor Swift-inspired dumpster fire for us this week? Well, I do, but this is something that's been going for years, in my opinion, and, I mean, it was really highlighted in Netflix's show Quarterback, but my dumpster fire for this week is Brittany and Jackson Mahomes because the headlines, at least until today – have been completely off of Brittany and Jackson and how annoying they are soaking up all that attention. And now Taylor Swift being in the spotlight is leading to that them taking the hitting the back burner even more so. But there was a report, Chad, you, you brought this to my attention, that uh, Taylor and Brittany actually had a, 
a nice conversation and hit it off whenever they were at the Kansas City-Chicago Bears game last Sunday. And I guess we will see if Taylor ends up showing up to MetLife Stadium, if that relationship continues to blossom, in which case it might be two of the most annoying people on earth having um, all the spotlight at that point. So I, I don't even want to think this, this fire right now is somewhat contained uh, to the dumpster, but I mean, I could see it just encapsulating the entire building right next to it. So we'll see where that goes, but that's my dumpster fire for this week. I got a hot take for you. I find Brittany Mahomes to be charming. I did on the show. I don't know what it is, but I find her to be somewhat charming and I like her. Jackson Mahomes, absolutely not. So when I saw the report that Brittany and I keep wanting every time I say Brittany, I want to say Brittany Spears also instead of Taylor Swift. Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift hit it off and enjoyed some shots together. That didn't bother me that much. Now, the thought of Jackson Mahomes weaseling his way in there with Taylor Swift and shooting some sort of dumb TikTok dance video with T Swift, Davey, that bothers me. Yeah, I mean, it that was, bothers me a lot. We, we've talked about this. It was smart of Netflix's quarterback not to have Jackson Mahomes talk once. And yeah, probably I, I per the request yes. of one Patrick Mahomes. Yes, but I don't, with Brittany, I don't know. Like, listen, I like Patrick Mahomes. All right, I, I like. I understand where he's at in the place of the NFL and football at large, but I don't know if I've heard of a couple that have more annoying voices than the two of them. Like, oh, like, yeah. you've got Kermit on one hand, and I don't even know who to compare her to on well, the other hand. Have you seen the video comparing? Patrick Mahomes to Kenny Powers, yes. to Danny McBride's yes. Kenny Powers. Like, it is very, very close. Had the Those guy voices. From Soundgarden there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's very, very close. I don't look. I'm not saying that Brittany Holmes can't be annoying. I'm sure you know most people can be annoying. She certainly is that. There's just there's something about her that's charming to me. Jackson Mahomes, absolutely not. I did love all of the memes of uh, putting Jackson Mahomes in different skyscraper scaling shots trying to get to Taylor Swift to get the, the, t the TikTok going. Yeah. That was hilarious to see with the Jackson Mahomes stuff. And I get it. Like, I mean, maybe I'm part of the problem here because I, I'm tired of all the Taylor coverage, yet here I am on a, a show actually bringing it up. I just – I want that to die down. I get it. It's bringing a new audience in there. There was funny uh, – there was a funny bit I, I saw – and Cooper Cup did an interview. I can't remember who was interviewing him a couple of years ago, but he was breaking down this play to levels what we would describe as beyond scientific. And they're just saying Swifties 48 hours after uh, researching what the NFL is. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, that's been another funny part of this is what the Swifties are going to bring to the NFL and bring to the game. Davey, thank you so much. That was a good, uh, good dumpster fire segment. Thanks to Colin Warner also for his perspective on the Americans and the Ryder Cup. I guess I'll keep watching. I'll certainly continue to cheer on America. Hey, America's cheering on baseball. Highest attendance for Major League Baseball since 2017 this year. I think a big reason for that boost in attendance, some non-traditional winners that are finally winning. Non-traditional baseball markets. I wouldn't say that. Baseball markets with really good fan bases that have been abused by ownership for years and years that have done well this year. And there's no better example of that than the Baltimore Orioles who have had a storybook season and they clinched the AL East last night. And here is the call from Kevin Brown. Remember Kevin Brown, by the way, suspended or, you know, double secret probation or whatever it was from the Angelos family for something that was ridiculous. Well, here's Kevin Brown on the call with the Orioles winning the pennant. 
And it's up to Tyler Wells and Trevor Story. Strike one. We've talked about all the folks who made this possible. This belongs just as much to all of you who have watched, who have listened, who have come to the ballpark all these years. Just outside the story. Mike Elias, Brandon Hyde, and this organization, they preach patience. We preach patience. You all were patient. You tuned in night after night, hoping for a moment like this. The 1-1 one -one to Story is grounded at third. Ramon Arias from third. The Orioles have done it. Go crazy, Baltimore. You are the new champions of the American League East. Go crazy, Baltimore, indeed. Love a good underdog story. John McClain joins us next. It's not every day you get to talk to a Hall of Famer, but we get to talk to one every single week on this show right here. John McClain, he's the man. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's in numerous Hall of Fames. He's certainly in our Hall of Fame. You can read his four columns. You can listen to his appearances all at sportsradio610.com every week on in six different markets, including our sister station in Nashville on 1025 The Game. Joins us here weekly to talk NFL. John, how are you this week? Chad, like I'm doing great. How are you? Doing very well. So this came down just a few minutes ago. The NFL is changing its gambling policy, John, to be lighter on those that bet on non-NFL events at team facilities, where a first offense is now two games. This clears the way for Jamison Williams with the Lions, Nicholas Petit-Frere with the Titans, to come back starting on Monday. I think this is a pretty common-sense approach to it. Bet on the NFL, really bad. Bet on your team, even worse bet on a UFC match because you're on the team bus, not as big of a deal. So I am glad that um, they, they took care of this and changed it where some of these guys can now get back. I had a technical difficulty there. You sound um, great. You look great, too, so you're good now. Thank you. Well, first of all, um, to me, they should outlaw all gambling at facilities. You're, trying, you're confusing some of these guys because a lot of them are not very smart. It's not just the players. There's a lot of coaches I know not very smart. And if you allow them to do little things like that, why not just sneak in another bet? Well, and they're not they're not allowing it, John. It. To be clear, like it's still not allowed. That was the confusion before. I think was well, what exactly is a team facility, right? If it was on the road, uh, in a hotel, on the team bus, it was some of that. Um, the the wording is betting on non NFL sports while at a team facility. That's the only one they've lowered. From six yeah, games that's to why two I games. Wouldn't do it. Still You're a two-game suspension, though. Yeah, well, number one, you should never bet, period, especially when you're at your solution. They should just outlaw all gambling if you're in the NFL. You make enough money. You shouldn't need it. You're just asking for trouble. But on the other hand, Chadillac, it is a small percentage 
of guys who have been suspended. Now, a big deal's made out of it when they do it, but when you think about all the guys playing, you think about 53-man rosters, 16-player practice squads, say 5 to 10, 15 guys on injured reserve, that is a lot of players on every team, not to mention everybody else in the organization. So it's a it's a handful or two handfuls who've actually gotten caught, and I'm not saying they don't do it, but it's still a small percentage. And I think we're always going to have people who violate it. And, John, don't you just think if you, if you get the right agent and you're a player going into the league, that agent should just say, here's my rule. No sports betting apps on your phone or anyone around you. Pretty simple, right? Just don't put anything that would ever tempt you on your phone, and then you'll be okay. No, the teams can do that too. They'd yeah. like for everybody to do that. It's kind of weird, you know, when it comes to gambling. The NFL is going to make $10 billions off gambling another five to ten years. And the, But the worst thing you could ever have if you think you found a player trying to influence the point spread. I know, unless you had a quarterback, you can't guarantee anything. You can't guarantee a running back is going to get the ball. You can't guarantee a wide receiver is going to get it. A defensive player is going to have a chance to drop an interception or a fumble. But uh, that's what they worry about ultimately. If people ever think it's not up and up, they're going to stop gambling. and They make too many billions of dollars for that to happen. Great story out of Buffalo, John. Uh, reports coming in. DeMar Hamlin is going to be active for the first time this season on Sunday when the Bills host the Dolphins. What a remarkable comeback story, given what he was going through and what we all were seeing a year ago in that game against Cincinnati, that he's going to be active on Sunday for the Bills. They've done a great job with him, the doctors, the trainers, everybody. He's done a great job coming back, wanting to come back. And it is a great success story. It's even Another kind of great story is Miami going to Buffalo to see if the Dolphins take control of that division. All we know is it's a two-team race. Ain't going to be involving the Jets. It's not going to be involving the Patriots. And this is a chance for the Dolphins, who started off 2-0 and on the road, to go 3-0, and beat their biggest rival at home. This game is going to be fantastic. John, you mentioned the Dolphins, so I have to ask you, what the hell is going on with Denver? And Sean Payton and that team, that was a laydown performance defensively, giving up 70, historically bad defensive performance for an NFL team. What is happening? Well, if you were to ask Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, he might say it's one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen. <laughs> karma? I'm all John, are you saying karma? karma? Karma could be a factor here? Absolutely. And I'm all for it because I thought Sean Payton was – way out of line with what he said about Hackett, even though all of it was true. And I'll tell you something else. This is a lesson for anybody who, who is out of football and still wants to be in football like Peyton was last year on Fox. He said some things about the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa, and they were using that as motivation last week. Now, Tua would never acknowledge that. But if you want to come back, just stay off, stay off TV, stay off websites, don't say anything that can come back to haunt you, and Peyton has. And Peyton, who was great when he had a Hall of Fame quarterback, it's amazing how that happens, isn't it? Now, yeah. And, and Russell Wilson's not the reason they're losing. It doesn't look like Sean Peyton's got his act together, and everybody wants to say, oh, it's only a matter of time. But uh, I'm all for him getting it 
egg on his face because that's where it deserves to be. Yeah, I think you can go one of two directions when you get out of it for a short time when you're a coach, and especially when you've had success. You can go the direction of being humbled a bit, not having a team and being around a locker room and all that, or you can watch games every week and get involved in the media and start to buy into your own clippings and maybe your own lore a little bit and watch everyone and see the little mistakes and think, I'm so much better than everyone else. I will do a better job. It seems to me Sean Payton's gone the latter and decided that he's better than everyone else and he could do a better job than anyone else as he's watching and talking about those games. I think he was already that way. It just didn't manifest itself when the Saints were winning because of Drew Brees. Because they had a good organization and good teams during that period in which he was there. But uh, now that he's in Denver and everybody thinks it's only a matter of time before he's going to do stuff to escape to make it look like it was all Russell Wilson's fault. But can you imagine what it's going to be like if they lose at Chicago? The Bears are one of the worst teams I've ever seen, and they're headed to maybe getting the first pick in the draft, getting Caleb Caleb Williams, and then trading. they can trade up if they get close because they also have Panthers' first-round pick. But uh, if the Broncos were to lose at Soldier Field, what a great story that would be. John, which 0-3 versus 0-3 game would you most want to watch? Broncos, Bears, or Vikings, Panthers? Broncos, Bears, because the Bears have so much going on on the field, off the field. They're, Matt Eberflus is probably going to end up being fired. GM may end up being fired because they put their faith in Justin Fields. Luke Getze, the coordinator, was trying to make him do things that that's not what he does best. And one of the best things about being a coach, you got to maximize the strengths, minimize the weaknesses. They're trying to make him be a pocket passer, and he's not. Or they're geniuses, and they're going to get the first pick and draft Caleb Williams, who is the best of a looks like what looks to be a terrific quarterback class. But man, oh man, are they bad right now? Could they be historically bad and be zero and seventeen? Could be. Uh, really, is right. Yeah. yeah. Really tough situation, John, uh, with Chandler Jones in Vegas. Seeing that video yesterday, some of the other behavior on social media. Arrested today for breaking a protection order, an order of protection. Um, what do you make of this? I mean, it's, it's tough to know exactly what's going on, but I think we all feel like it's a guy who needs some help. Chad, I stopped uh, tweeting and retweeting because he was so far out there. Things he was saying about other people, things he was saying about Josh McDaniels and everybody said he needs help. And watching him on Twitter talk about Aaron Hernandez didn't get killed in prison and breaking down crying makes me wonder when the Patriots traded him to Arizona at the height of his career when he was a great pass rusher, something wasn't going on then. And then the Cardinals ended up with the Raiders. You just don't know. But he does need help from somebody, and I'm sure a lot of NFL people will reach out. If he wants help or if it's ordered by, say, a court to get help, the NFL has a lot of programs to help put people in that situation. John, it's been a bit of a, a roller coaster, at least for me, with the Lions so far in this early part of the season. They go to Kansas City and win. That surprises everyone, even with the injuries. 
for Kansas City to go to the defending Super Bowl champion and win on the opening Thursday night. So I'm thinking, okay, this team is truly legit. They go home and play terrible defense in an overtime loss to Seattle. Then they win. Then they go to Lambeau last night and put a beat down on the Packers. And I'm watching that post-game pep talk from Dan Campbell, and it looks like a team that's no longer surprised with some success. It looks more like confirmation of what they've done and what they've built when they win a game like that. Are you buying the Lions right now? I am, and that's a great way to put it, confirmation. What they did in the last game of last season when they found out they could not make the playoffs if they won at Lambeau Field, and yet they won at Lambeau Field, knocked the Packers out of the playoffs in what would be Aaron Rodgers' last game in Green Bay. They've been playing well at Lambeau Field. I think Dan Campbell is a tremendous motivator. We all got to see him on Hard Knocks last year. He's right. He's from Texas. He went to Texas A&M. Everybody liked him there. Hard-nosed guy. Everybody always talks about it. The, all the coaches got in a fight with Campbell win. Well, I might be putting my money on Mike Vrabel. Those two guys are about the same size. But they're fun to watch. And I've thought for years now, Chadillac, that the guy deserved to be in the Pro Football of Fame as former Lions coach Buddy Parker. He won two championships in the 50s. He dominated Paul Brown, the founder and great coach for the Cleveland Browns, and yet he was only been nominated by the senior slash contributors committee once, and that's this year, which means we'll, we on the committee will rubber stamp him. And if you think Lions in championship, think how many people weren't born in this country the last time they did it. They've only won one playoff game since Buddy Parker, but I love the way their fans are so fired up. They go on the road, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that new Barry Sanders documentary that's supposed to take us behind the scenes on why he retired two seasons off of two years removed from a 2,000-yard season. Just a lot of things about the Lions. I think the NFL is better when the Lions are good. A great success story. Yeah, and I think the betting odds on that NFL head coach Royal Rumble you mentioned would certainly put Vrabel and Campbell probably even odds to win you don't against think Mike everyone in the fight. Uh, I'd, I'd put McDaniel? him far down the list. I would like to see uh, Mike McDaniel versus Pete Carroll in a fight. Like old, you know, small guy, young, small. Pete Carroll, very fit, still very active on that sideline. That's the fight I'd like to see on the low end. And then the top end would be Vrabel v. Dan Campbell. No, no doubt about it. John, let's go around oh, the league a little bit this week. Second, go ahead. Chad. What was it that Campbell said when he took over? They're going to bite your kneecaps. We, I want, yeah, basically kneecap biters, guys who are going to bite some kneecaps. Well, Mike McDaniel could bite Vrabel, and he could bite he could he could bite Dan Campbell on the kneecap because that's about as high as he can get. He does strike me as a guy who wouldn't fight fair if given the chance. Like he'll he'll <laughs> fight dirty, right? Uh, kind of like Mac He'd Jones. Have to. He's sort of the Mac Jones of the NFL coaches, right? He'll get a little dirty <laughs> if he needs to. Maybe a cup check. A little cup check here or there. Um, Get him in the footballs. Um, now that we brought it up, Mac Jones is not developing the best reputation across the league uh, as a player with some of this stuff. He's not. And he's also not playing the way they hoped when Bill O'Brien came in there and took, uh, took over the coaching of him and the offense, and maybe it will. they got a lot of time to go. They don't have great weapons. What they do have is a team that can finish third in the division ahead of the Jets, where before – they were destined for last place. I can't remember if Bill, I guess Bill Belichick finished last in his first year of 2000. I can't, maybe he didn't. 
But boy, wouldn't that look weird if the Patriots were actually last? But if Mac Jones can't turn around this year, they may be grabbing one of those quarterbacks in first round in next draft. John got 30 seconds left. Miami at Buffalo. Who wins? I'm going with Buffalo just because they were at home. Jalen Waddles back. It's hard to believe they scored 70 points, had 350 yards on both sides of the ball without Jalen Waddle. I hope it's not too windy so we can watch that Miami passing game. John McClain, one of the very best at McClain underscore on underscore NFL is where you can follow him. You can read his work at sportsradio610.com. Listen to him there as well. John, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Chad. Like you do the same. John McClain, also a big T Swift fan, uh, a Swifty himself, that John McClain. Very interesting, that story. We'll get to that story with him next week. When we come back, maybe we'll ask Kelly in Vegas her thoughts on Taylor Swift. We'll definitely ask her her thoughts on what you should be betting this weekend. Kelly in Vegas is next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Welcome back into Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton, not here today. Apologies for that. He'll be back on Monday. The good news for everyone out there is that Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas, is here. She's with us for her weekly segment with us, talking all things sports betting on this Friday. Kelly, I got to start with, uh, you know, finally bragging a little bit on myself, because while my betting hasn't been that good, I did pitch A&M minus the points against Auburn this past week. And you laughed it off, and look what happened. Finally, a winner. You're looking at a winner for the first time this fall, Kelly. I am very happy for you. I, man, you freeze, that offense. You know, the Mm. defense did what I needed it to do, but I could not get anything offensively going from the Auburn Tigers, so congratulations to you. And no, I am not taking Arkansas this week and stepping in front of A&M, even though I do believe it's the right side. Well, I, I, we might get into Arkansas also on that, but I want to start with my pitch since you, you, you laughed it off a week ago. Um, I'm going with another favorite. Hutton's not here to make his pitch, so you're either going to have to say yay or nay to what I'm, I'm throwing out here to you. I think USC is going to destroy Colorado in a similar fashion that Oregon did a week ago. I, I know it's a lot of points, but I am going to take USC minus 21 and a half at Colorado. Kelly, am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy, but Folsom Field is a tough place to play. 27 is a little overblown, just like, well, 21 was a little underblown last week. Let's see if the Colorado defense can't come to play, but I think this is going to be a track meet. I would not be surprised to see a ton of scoring, slight lean towards the over. I think it's still in the mid-70s, which is just an absolutely wild number to see in college football these days, but I don't think USC is as quite as good as uh, everybody's trying to make them out to be. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, we'll find out about Tennessee and South Carolina. A lot more about both those teams this week also. Kelly, you, you like the Gamecocks in this game. I'm in full agreement with you on this one. I, I thought the points were a lot when this line initially opened. It hasn't really moved a lot throughout the week either. Why South Carolina? You know, this is tough. I know you're... You, our big balls fan, as is uh, our good friend, Clay Travis. But man, I'm not sure they're going to get avenged that uh, 
that absolute blowout from last year. Look, last season's offense nails this season's offense. Not so sure. This is a pretty large number for a team who really didn't look super impressive against Virginia, Austin P UTSA. And then as you remember, I told you they were going to lose in Florida as a six point favorite on the road. Gamecocks on the other hand, look, that defense looks pretty mediocre on paper, but they played Georgia, North Carolina, and Mississippi State, all pretty good offensive teams. Do I think the Gamecocks are going to win this game? Look, it is a night game in Neyland. That is one of the toughest places to get a road win, but it's definitely too many points for a game that I think it end 31-27. Yeah, South Carolina, you're right. Certainly um, uh, game-tested, pun intended, with the Gamecocks. They, they've been through it so far this season, more so than Tennessee. Another team I can make that description about is Baylor, Kelly. When you look at their early schedule, it's been tough on the Bears, but you like them on the road in Orlando this week? Yeah, I do. I got to catch some glimpses of that UCF game uh, last Saturday against my Kansas State Wildcats. Whoa, that defense. Let me tell you, K-State was very banged up in that game, but laying double digits here at home, I know it's the balance house. I know it's a tough place to play. But they gave up 536 yards again last week. Dom Richardson's going to be back for Baylor. Blake Shapin should be back under center for Baylor, plus a handful of a couple other guys. Look, I think getting out of Waco for the first time this season is going to be exactly what the Bears need. This is too many points for a defense that could just get gashed for another 150 yards here on the ground. Kelly, I'm so disappointed in the Aztecs of San Diego State because we do a little thing on the show called Wrong Team Favored each week and we take a, a, an underdog to win outright. And my bet last week was San Diego state. I believe it plus three and a half at home against Boise state. They end up losing 34 to 31 in that game. Uh, so I'm reluctant to go back to the well with the Aztecs, but you like them on the road at air force. Why? Yeah, I was on them last Friday night as well. Look, they had a shot to win that game. Jalen Maiden doesn't fumble on the one-yard line. What could have been? That might have went the other way. SCSU owns this rivalry. They've won nine of their last ten. This is going to be a tough game in Colorado Springs, but the Falcons' defense we know is stout. Low-scoring game. I'm getting double digits here. Last year's school, final score was 13-3. to That was the last time that San Diego State lost to this team. I don't think you can run the ball against this Air Force team, so I'm expecting an air raid from the Aztecs. I think they keep it close, and maybe, just maybe, they can cash that 3-1 to one ticket on the outright. So Florida is in Lexington to take on Kentucky this weekend. I, I saw something where this is the first time Kentucky's been favored over Florida in something like since point spreads existed. It's been so long that this has happened. There is some love coming in for the Gators on the road in this one. Kentucky, just a slight favorite in this one. Kelly, what do you think about this matchup? So the matchup aside, I love betting on ranked teams catching points. And that is betting against, I should say. It is always super trappy. I'm not understanding the love for the Gators here. I have seen this Gators team in person too many times to really trust them. Hey, do they step up big against the Vols? Absolutely. 
Kentucky, if you remember last year, went in to Gainesville, got the outright win. This is a really scrappy Wildcats team that kind of goes through some ebbs and flows, but I don't think the Gators' problems are all but solved just yet. I think this game in Lexington is going to be a tough one. It's a coin flip. I only wanted to discuss it because I think sometimes people overlook some of the situational plays. And when you're laying points with the unranked team at home, it pans out for you more often than not in, in terms of a betting perspective. Kelly, I'm curious because we talked about this year's SEC. You know, it's not as top-heavy as normal. You don't have those dominant teams. I'm guessing in your line of work, it's harder to identify trends also. You know, we, we'll keep bringing up that Florida performance against Tennessee, but that's completely out of character for what we've seen from Florida this year. And really that one half, for the most part, sort of out of character with Tennessee, but I feel like there's probably 10 SEC teams in that camp that we've seen so far that are kind of week to week. And it seems like most years in college football, you can establish trends better uh, in terms of betting markets and what teams are doing. Are you finding the SEC a little bit more difficult to play this year? Oh, absolutely. You brought up Auburn just to throw some salt into the wound. There's about five SEC teams that I have no idea what their identity is from week to week. Sometimes they show you a little bit more. Sometimes you don't see enough. I think another one of those teams is Ole Miss. I think another one of those teams is Mississippi State. Uh, obviously, we already talked about Florida. Arkansas, we kind of touched on against AM. I I want to take them plus the points here uh, in Arlington. But again, I'm not sure who this Razorback team is. I would have to agree with you right now. I, we know who Georgia is, and that's about it. Yeah, it's, it's tough to figure out. Uh, maybe a little bit easier to figure out in the NFL. Maybe not. You've got two games, two teams you like this week, Kelly. Let's start with the Panthers against the Vikings. Oh, this one's disgusting. Chad, I feel like I need to go take a shower after I bet this one. I took the plus four. It did hit four and a half, came back to four. So it's gotten a little bit of action. I'm not sure if this Vikings defense can actually play an entire game of football. And that is the problem here. Even Justin Jefferson went to his Instagram to complain about his own defense. I mean, when you're the best wide receiver, if arguably not one of the one of the best players in the NFL, you're going to get frustrated by your defense giving up big leads. And that's what we've seen this defense do. They got gashed by the Eagles, got that push late. We've seen them lose at home as favorites to teams like the Bucks. This team is very, very bad on defense. Kevin O'Connell, now we're hearing rumblings about him being in the hot seat. Now, all of a sudden, they're supposed to be a four-point favorite in Carolina. You know, whether it's Bryce Young or the Red Rifle on Sunday, it doesn't really matter to me. I did like this team last week in Seattle. Ultimately, ended up staying off because I missed the six and a half. But for a better part of three quarters, we did see the Panthers come to play. They are not tanking. They are trying to win football games. The Vikings, on the other hand, have had a monstrous amount of turnovers that is just completely unacceptable at this point in time to be laying points with this team on the road. We know that teams that are 0-3 and 0-3 against the spread, which both of these teams are, the underdog covers almost 71% of the time. Kelly, you know full well you're going to be watching every second of this disgusting game between the Panthers and Vikings. You're going to, you're going to love it. Uh, we, we discussed this earlier this week, but which game is more disgusting? Panthers, Vikings, Bears, Broncos. If you had to whoa, watch whoa, one whoa. start to finish, which one are you watching? This isn't even up for debate. Chad, I am in Wisconsin right now for a wedding. Okay. We're flying out of O'Hare Sunday night. I had 
tickets to this game. I had full on planned on doing Thursday night in Green Bay and Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field. I gave them away. <laughs> As a Broncos fan, it is not even worth my time when there are six other games on the television at that time to waste my time on the worst game we are going to see. And imagine even getting involved in this game, either taking the points or laying them. Absolutely not. This is a complete and utter stay away game. See, if I were you, I would have gone to the game just for the story. You know, years from now, you're like, I was at that. Remember when Sean Payton was the coach of the Broncos and they gave up 70 points to the Dolphins in historic fashion? The next week, I was in Chicago for that game, uh, pitting two teams that were combined 0-6 at that point. I would have gone to that game just for the story. We may have to update some Sean Payton getting fired props at some point. I don't think we're in danger of that Ooh. right now, but uh, maybe maybe next week we'll we'll get into some of that. Bills Dolphins, my favorite game of the weekend. All, all kidding aside about some of these bad NFL games, Bills Dolphins this week. Kelly, who are you playing? Yeah, I don't like to get into the sharp squares argument too much here, and that's just because hey. The NFL is a lot more square than people ever want to imagine. But I can tell you this right now. This is the sharp square game of the week. All the sharp guys are going to be on the Bills. All the squares are going to be on the Dolphins. And why wouldn't you want to be on the Dolphins? You just said they hung 70. And they could have tied the all-time scoring record. But Mike McDaniel was so nice and did not kick the field goal against Sean Payton. What a class act. Now they have to go to Buffalo. Good news is the weather's not crappy like it normally is when these two play. So that is a benefit to the Dolphins. Right now, they have the number one most passing, passing efficiency rating, which is huge for metrics. But if you looked at this game before the year started, the Bills were almost a touchdown favorite. Then we saw them lose to the Jets. Then we saw them finally turn a corner last week in Washington. Now this one's sitting at two and a half, three. So I always like to tell people to shop around. That key number of three is very important. So two and a half, if you like the Bills, three, if you like the Dolphins is the bet. But I do think the Bills will get away from this one. I think the Dolphins are a great teaser spot, but I like the Bills to get the victory at home here, kind of shock the world and hey, this is full disclosure. I am holding an AFC East ticket plus 275 on the Dolphins. Two-part question here to close us out, Kelly. One, has fall arrived in Wisconsin because it has not yet arrived in Tennessee, and I'm bummed out about that. Two, how pissed off are you to be involved in a fall wedding right now with all you have going on with football season? You have no idea. I am not going to slander any of my family members, but I finally had to say to them, you are welcome. My presence is here. Tell them, tell them about it. <laughs> tell them all about it. Uh, no, all jokes aside, it's going to be a beautiful wedding. I'm super excited, but thank goodness I get at least watch college football tomorrow and NFL on Sunday. So Friday evening wedding. I will, however, have uh, probably my phone going back and forth between the Cincinnati and the Oregon State game. Perfect. Kelly, we enjoy these weekly visits. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have fun at the wedding. Have fun with all the football. May not just me this time. May we all actually be winners this weekend together. We're going to win together. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Chad. Can't win. There will be losers this weekend, but my solemn prayer is that you will be a winner and we'll all be a winner, much like Kelly in Vegas. And she provided those winners for us for this weekend. We're going to have some winners in the final hour of the show. Guns Show, live in studio, joining us. We're going to have a debate over who is the most famous person in America, non-politics division. 
excluding Joe Biden or Donald Trump, who's the most famous person? Is it Taylor Swift? Is it someone else? But when we come back, my top 10 college football games of the weekend, that's next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.